to the NXT Podcast, your home for weekly NXT reviews and insight. The beautiful part of NXT is that when one dream ends, another dream begins. Find all of your NXT news, recaps, and analysis right here. So with that being said, we only have one question for you. Are you We thought so. Let's get the show started right now. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Welcome to the NXT podcast. Hello. I am your host. My name is Zachary Smith. As always, here to talk about NXT. Two episodes in two days. We talked about War Games uh, yesterday. And today we're talking about the NXT After War Games. Now, you can go listen to that episode to hear what I thought of the event as a whole. But, in summary, I thought it was really good. It reminded me of old NXT, which I I think was the point. And this show was very much an old NXT show in that there was a lot of wrestling and there were long matches and there weren't long promo segments in the middle of the ring. It was everything that I like about what NXT was and everything that I don't like about what NXT 2.0 is. And War Games was built on the concept of black and gold, the originals, uh, versus the 2.0 guys. And the show was more than that. It was a throwback to the black and gold days. I don't know if we're ever going to see a TakeOver show like that again. I think this might have been a swan song for NXT black and gold. And I think that this show was part of that. Um, So if this is the last time we're going to see black and gold NXT, what a hell of a way to go out. We got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Before we get started, you can always find me on Twitter. I'm at ZachNXT at Z-A-C-H-N-X-T. Talking wrestling and fun stuff over there. Before we jump into NXT, we usually talk about kind of news. What's going on in WWE? A lot of Corey Gray stuff. That's always fun. Um, here's what happens. Um, somebody on Twitter writes... This, quote, when an announced team can't focus on a match and is constantly commenting on the physical appearance of competitors, especially when it's women in the ring, it's time to find professional broadcasters who can tell the story without being distracted by the athletes. I don't often share my takes on things, but I work hard to prepare myself as a broadcaster. I've studied how great commentary teams can elevate matches, but it's really grating to hear announcers get lost in how attractive they think competitors are in the midst of a match. Now, that is a tweet by somebody I, I don't know. That's a vague tweet. In in truth, you can say that about a lot of announcers. One of, one of the things that I did not like about JR's commentary in AEW was that he... He came up in the old territory days, and then his his prime kind of happened during the Attitude Era. And neither of those situations were super big on women's wrestling, maybe as much. And so, especially in the Attitude Era, women were 
objects. They were attractive pieces of arm candy who would um, who would be very forward with their bodies um, as if that is the only thing that women were good for. There was a lot of that. And so as a consequence, JR never really learned how to talk about women's wrestling. That's never really been his strong point. You can you can say that a lot uh, you can say that rather about a lot of well really male announcers um especially when it's women's wrestling because here's the thing um like when somebody would call a Chris Masters match when he was on all of his training supplements in WWE that whole match they're going to talk about um it, they're going to talk about how physically impressive uh, he is. Um, he has the body of an Adonis, whatever. But Chris Masters is also going to get television time and is going to have other things to him as a character or him being obsessed with his looks is the character. Um, if somebody does that to, let's say, Liv Morgan, Liv Morgan is not a separate character from that. You're kind of judging everything about them. Oh, man, they sure are pretty. Or, oh, throws a, a drop kick. She's, she's deadly and she looks good doing it. Well, that's an unnecessary addition. That's not what we're doing here. And, um, and it doesn't serve the, the match. It doesn't serve the product. It serves dudes who unknowingly want to be like, oh, dude, she's so hot. And if we can't get past that, then like no amount of women's WrestleMania matches are going to fix it. And commentary a lot of times can be a problem. Commentary is the thing that I am hearing other than the crowd and the mat during a match. And so that's why really good commentary teams really help elevate a product. It's why when there's a bad announcer... Not just in WWE, let's it, Chris Jericho and AEW. When there's a bad announcer, you notice them a lot because announcers help you to understand the flow of a story and the emotions and heighten everything. And if you're in 2021, almost 2022, and the only thing you can think of to say is, "Dude, she's so hot. That was a, that chair shot was good, but she's so hot." Then, like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't be the commentary team. Maybe you should find commentators that can, like, I don't know, talk about the match and the character. If you talk about the character and their motivations and what they've done, that makes me care about the person. If all you can tell me is, uh, man, this attractive person sure is attractive, then that gives people an excuse, whether they realize it or not, to just think of them as a thing. Think of them as a physical thing instead of a person. Somehow Corey Graves decided that was about him. Um, And like, listen, maybe it was. I don't know. But I do know Corey thinks it was about him because Corey replies to this person and says, well then, I suggest you find a different field than sports entertainment. If you can't differentiate between a TV character and an actual, all caps, journalist, then I don't trust anything you have to say in real life. Good luck. 
responding to criticism about how I speak on TV, all caps, about a character, all caps, portrayed by my actual fiance, all caps, trumps any of your woke BS. But you do you. You're welcome for the virtue signal boost. Um, man. I, hmm. I just... He then posted in 2021 being engaged to an absolutely wildly talented, beautiful woman and talking about how amazingly beautiful and talented I think she is on TV because we work at the same place is somehow offensive to some people on Twitter. Uh, okay, so a few things here. Uh, normally, uh, you'll notice I don't talk a lot about Corey Graves. Um... I will say that I don't know that I have seen somebody go from this dude could be the next Bobby Heenan to I don't want to hear him talk. I've never seen that quite so fast as I have with Corey Graves, I don't think. Um, Just on the basis of of commentary, um, Corey Graves can be really good, and I think that might be the frustrating part about this. Corey Graves seems like the kind of person that I maybe wouldn't, I maybe wouldn't, um, I wouldn't get into a discourse about the ethics of commentary with, but I can recognize when somebody has the talent to be a good announcer. And so because it's Corey Graves and this is kind of what he feeds on when he does stuff like this, I don't mention it. I don't think I mentioned it when he said what he said about Mora Ronaldo. And then tried to defend it. Um, because it's it's just, it's what he does. It's a thing he does. I don't know if it's purposeful to get his, you know, name out there. Any attention is good attention, so on. Or if it's just a thing that keeps happening to him. But anyway, there's a pattern. But this is pretty important, right? Because... First off, you decided that was about you. That's always a sucker move to just... Even if it's supposed to be about you, if it's a subtweet like that, it's not even a a diss track. It's like a... It's one line in a song that could mean something about you, and you take that and make a whole diss track out of it. That's lame, you know? So there's that part. And then there's the part of if your first reaction... To somebody very mildly saying that I don't like it when commentators can only talk about somebody's appearance. And your first instinct is to go, yeah, but my wife is beautiful and talented and I talk about that because she's my fiance. And so maybe like if, if you want that, you should find a different field of work. If your reaction to that criticism is not, oh man, I should internalize this and work through it. And I can, maybe I can come out the other side better. And if everybody does that, then this sewer of a business in some aspects could improve. But the people in this business a lot of times have this kind of attitude where it's like, ah, you don't understand. You haven't done what I've done. And, you know, if, if you don't like it, you should you should find something else. No, I love wrestling, but I want wrestling to be better. I want a women's match to go on to my television, get as much time as it needs, and not once do I want to hear about the appearance of the two competitors. Because in men's matches, I never do. Nobody ever in men's matches is like, 
oh man, Roman's really dominating here, and boy, that jawline. Nobody does that. It's about the match. What I want is I want to see women's wrestling be women's wrestling. And so when somebody like Toxic Attraction in NXT is being featured, that's awesome. Mandy Rose, Gigi Dolan, JC Jane, they're all very talented. They have a cool aesthetic and they have cool gimmicks. Gigi Dolan is like a really unique character. Mandy Rose is the best that she's ever been. They hold all the women's gold. And every time I see them, it's a slow camera shot up them, like from the feet up, because they're so hot. And I get it, attractions in the name, and they're like three attractive people, but I don't care about that part. I don't like or dislike them based on what they look like. I like or dislike them based on their promos and their in-ring work and the challengers they get for those championships. And I'm not getting enough of that. I'm getting too much of, yeah, that was good, but like also they're hot. Cool, man. If we can't get past that, what are we doing? We're supposed to be better than this. And it's like, oh, does that mean uh, every time now I have to think about every little thing that I say before I say it? Yeah, man. Like, is, like we've gotten to kind of just say whatever we want for like a really long time. And if the if we have to overcorrect in order to bring it back, then yeah, man, do the bare minimum and think about the stuff you say before you say it. And I get it. It's going to be double the amount of work to also make the women important and learn things about them. But, uh, you know, they're probably pretty interesting if you get past the, oh my God, look at her part. Because it's not fun to watch as a wrestling fan. When I'm just trying to enjoy the stories. And I think it's hilarious that Corey Graves immediately realized that was about him. And that was his defense. This also seems like a good time to remind you that Carmella Carmella was in the news saying that WWE is, is a harder road for her because she's attractive. So I don't know if I'm Carmella. If maybe Corey Graves talking about how attractive I am in my head makes a lot of sense but whatever that's cool we're all gonna forget about it and nothing's gonna change but like you could and that's the frustrating part anyway nxt war games recap which again really fun show felt like old nxt cora jade picks up the win in the women's match she can be a star in nxt i can see it from her this isn't i don't know that this is the final version of the gimmick that she's going to be when she becomes a star, but I can feel it from her even through the gimmick, which is kind of nothing. Cameron Grimes keeps his hair, do cuts, and loses his. Joe Gacy loses to Roderick Strong. Imperium keeps their tag titles. Von Wagner tries to turn on Kyle O'Reilly, but Kyle beats him up, says he smelled it a mile away. Von sure feels important, huh? And Braun Breaker in the men's match pins the NXT champion we're starting the show with von wagner because what you really want after war games is a hot start to your tv show von's entrance is interrupted by kyle o'reilly attacking him because he's a loser just as a quick recap he became a tag team with kyle o'reilly they did a rocky four training montage in the woods challenged imperium for the tag titles lost and von wagner immediately tried to turn on kyle o'reilly who had just been turned on by his best friend and didn't trust him 
That backfired. Kyle O'Reilly then beat him up on uh, War Games, um, made him look stupid, and then Kyle challenged him to a cage match, which we have here. Um, And now he makes his entrance, and he's attacked by Kyle O'Reilly. So that all is pretty good. Um, Anyway, Von Wagner wins. I'm not sure story-wise why we told the story this way. I mean, I guess because we were only getting one more match with Kyle, and it is kind of fun to see a babyface not fall for being turned on, especially Kyle, who was turned on recently. He's standing outside the cage. The crowd chants, you still suck at him. So that's a good reaction. There's a recap of uh, Johnny Gargano's promo after War Games went off the air. He's sitting in the War Games cage. He says that these were his family. He's beat up. He's sore. He's tired. There's a lot on his mind. And he's going to tell us everything tonight. Now that should be the main event segment of the show. And in fact, it was. Braun Breaker is arriving to the building. Before that, we get a Joe Gacy video. Harland standing behind him. His name is Harland. He called him Harland. So, yep, it is in fact Harland. Says the match at War Games is not as important as our vision. What we want to do is much more important than the cruiserweight title, which is just a great thing to say about one of your championships. He said, We ended years of division, broke down barriers, blah, 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 blah. Harlan still looks weird bald. It does look better here because they're in a dark room. So, like, it looks fine here, but as soon as he's back in the ring and that overlit arena, he's going to look stupid again. And with hair, he looked cool. But without hair, he's, boy, he's real pale and weird looking. Some people shouldn't have a shaved head, and Harland is one of them. But, it's boy, it's too late now, I guess. Anyway, next week, Harland is making his in-ring debut. I know, the last time I saw him throw punches, he looked a little, he looked green, which he is. So, I hope he gets somebody good. And I hope that his first match is good because Harland has the tool, the person who plays Harland, I forget his name now, has the tools and the physique and everything to be a star. But a gimmick like this, hopefully, is just a thing we look back on and go, oh man, that was a weird gimmick. Anyway, this person's really good. Or it could be this person ends up going somewhere else when their contract expires and we look back on this like, what the hell were they doing? So it's going to be one of those. Anyway, you know, in-ring debut next week. That should be uh, something. Braun Breaker's here like a drunk uncle at a barbecue. Puts over team black and gold first. Really puts on the respect for the black and gold brand. And they kind of, they built everything that I stand on now. And they're tough as nails. Puts them over. That's very nice. I'm a li- I I can't tell if Braun Breaker's a bad guy or if he's just a guy who likes to fight so much that like if I have to be on the bad guy team to be locked in a cage with a bunch of other dudes that I get to fight, I'll do that. Seems like it might be that one. So, he says, but Champa, you beat me in Halloween Havoc. I pinned you at War Games. That makes us one and one. And he challenges Champa to one more match for the NXT title. And then, oh, sick, dude. Diamond Mine's here, dude. (sighs) 
Malcolm Bivens keeps calling him LeBron Breaker. That's funny because Bron is part of LeBron and uh, LeBron's a person uh, from basketball. So that's cool. Um, he compares Roderick Strong winning at War Games to Bron Breaker. Um, he says the weight limit for the cruiserweight title has been lifted and Roderick Strong wants to challenge Bron Breaker. A couple things. Um, if there's a weight, if there's no weight limit anymore, it seems like we should not call it the cruiserweight title anymore because cruiserweight denotes, um, that cruiserweights are competing for it. It's kind of like the heavyweight championship. There's a reason it's not called the universal heavyweight championship. Um, we would probably have to change the name. Um, I do like the, the Roderick Strong challenging his challengers, not the other way around thing. And Roderick Strong, Braun Breaker would be a good match. I don't really want to watch it. It feels like a side mission that Braun Breaker has to do before he gets to Champa, but whatever. Strong isn't here, so the rest of Diamond Mine came out without him, which is cool. He comes back next week. I don't know why this happened, but Braun says he will do whatever he has to do to get to Champa and accepts the challenge. I don't know what beating Roderick Strong has to do with getting to Tommaso Champa, but sure. Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams are here. They're fighting Dexter Loomis for the North American title. Rather, Carmelo Hayes is Grayson Waller's and trying to impress a girl outside. He asks the girl out. She says she's actually hanging out with someone else. It is, in fact, L.A. Knight. They drive off. He said, L.A. Knight says, how about this for a moment? How about this for exposure? And Grayson Waller says, oh, I'll get exposure. As uh, we cut away from that. This feud just keeps going, huh? Anyway, we're back from break, and Dexter Loomis makes his entrance. Were Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams just standing in the ring with their music playing that whole time? Because I bet that looks weird live. Dexter ends up winning by disqualification, so it's almost like this match didn't really have a point. Anyway, the Shaman that MSK have been talking about, they go to a door, and it is, in fact, Matt Riddle. Listen, I don't think MSK is very funny. Uh, that is funny and perfect. Riddle is high as hell during this vignette. Side note, Wes Lee is going to be the star of this team, but they're both very talented. When they eventually break up, I think Wes Lee's the guy. He's the Shawn Michaels. Um, they're talking. Riddle basically tells them to keep being themselves, and they'll have success. They're worried that they peaked, and and Riddle says they just need to be MSK all day, every day. And he'll be with them every step of the way on one condition. What's in the bag you brought? You know, sharing is caring, bro. Wesley says, by all means, be our guest. And Riddle goes to open the bag. And they all look inside and they're all laughing. Uh, we don't see what's in the bag. It was it was weed is the joke there. Um, I'm saying it like I didn't like it. But I laughed audibly that that's on WWE TV. Uh, that was perfect. Um, if there, anybody was going to be the shaman for, for MSK, absolutely. It would be Matt Riddle. That was perfect. I loved it. I really did. That's the first time I've said that about an MSK thing. That's not their fault, but that was fantastic. So right before break, Candice LeRae is in the back, presumably with her and Johnny's dog. Johnny walks up, pets the dog, kisses Candice and goes to make his entrance after break, crowd starts chanting Johnny Wrestling, Rebel Heart starts. It was a really good idea to change his theme back for this. It really 
helps finish cement everything that's happening here. Johnny is already a half second away from crying, and he just started walking out. Gets in the ring. Crowd chants, please don't go. He says, if there's one regret I have over the last six years, I didn't enjoy it enough. I was too worried about being good enough. I wanted the fans to have the best. So the first time he was in this building was 2015, where he was told he would never be in NXT. But because of William Regal, he was brought back for a dark match against Apollo Crews. And you all chanted so loudly, they brought me back even though I wasn't under contract. He says he's dealt with self-confidence issues his whole life. He doubts himself constantly. He says, I'm doing it right now. The only place I've ever felt special is in this ring in front of all of you. I truly love this place and believe in it so much. He shouts out the trainers. He shouts out Vic Joseph, one of his best friends. He shouts out people in the back that do jobs that mean you you never hear about them but are, are very important. He said, all of this, I have family here in the crowd. I have family in Cleveland. I have family in the back. He says, I know change is scary, but sometimes it needs to happen. So he doesn't know what his f- immediate future holds. He says, I might pop up for something here or there. He says, but in February, I'm going to start the most important job of my life because I'm going to be a dad. And um, he's talking about, you know, just loving the fans and appreciating everything that they've done for him. And he hopes that he made us proud and he entertained us and... um. He's giving this heartfelt speech, and the camera view, I have now learned, uh, necessitates that, or rather, um, uh, the camera view indicates, nailed it, that somebody has entered the ring um, because it's a very specific camera shot they use so that you won't see an attack coming. Usually works. I, I unfortunately realized it ahead of time, so it wasn't shocking. I was tipped off by the crowd loudly trying to get Johnny's attention. So it kind of threw it off for me. Um, So he gets hit in the back with a chair, and it was, in fact, Grayson Waller. I mean, great heat, man. I'm not even going to lie to you. That's great interrupting Johnny's farewell NXT. I love you speech with a chair shot is pretty up there. Love it. Throws him outside the ring, puts a chair around his uh, neck, and rams him into the stairs goes to put him through the table. Vic Joseph and and uh, Barrett are just kind of standing there. Um, so, storyline-wise, I understand why Vic Joseph maybe didn't jump in. Like, I probably still would have if it was one of my best friends. Um, but Vic Joseph isn't a wrestler, so in this world, he's, he's not prepared for that. Barrett is, and uh, I don't know that he's retired. He's just announcing right now. Feels like maybe Barrett should step in. Feels like if Samoa Joe were on commentary, he would have stepped in. Also feels like Beth Phoenix might have stepped in if she was still around on uh, commentary. Little bit weird that Barrett has to play by announcer rules where he runs off off screen and you don't see him again when I know Barrett as a wrestler. But that's, you know, whatever. Grayson Walder puts him through the announce table, walks up to the camera, says that this is his house now. And he smiles and enjoys the negative reaction from 
the crowd. I mean, listen. Uh, presumably Johnny wanted to go out helping somebody else put get some heat on somebody. I like this new Grayson Waller. I like this attitude. I like him being vicious instead of goofy. I like that a lot. If we continue that, I mean, if this is what we use Johnny for, then you better do something with Grayson Waller because that's a hell of a springboard. Um, he's going to be one of the most hated dudes on the show next week. So I just hope he's there and I hope he does something interesting. That's how we go off the air. Um, after the TV show, Johnny was in the ring. He sat with Tommaso Ciampa in the middle of the ring one more time and with Kyle O'Reilly. So we basically know that this is it for Kyle O'Reilly and I'm certain he's going to AEW. Um... Johnny, we don't know. Um, that felt like a goodbye to NXT, certainly. And it felt like he's going to go do other things. Um, him being attacked, I don't think is a story they're going to tell with Johnny and Grayson. I think it's a Johnny wanted to go out that way as opposed to just giving a speech and walking off. But also, as he mentioned, in February, he's going to be a dad. Are you going to... Start in like an AEW or an Impact, you know, like a, a month and change from when you're going to be a dad. Are you going to wait till after that? I don't know. But I talked about this a lot yes, on uh, yesterday's show, talking about war games. If this is it for Johnny, he's never going to hear this, but all I, all I can say is thank you. When you think of the greatest competitors to ever be in NXT... Whether that's an Asuka, an Io Shirai, a Bianca Belair, a Rhea Ripley, a Finn Balor, a Kevin Owens, a Sami Zayn, um, a Samoa Joe, a Shinsuke Nakamura. You need to put Johnny's name near the top of that list. Johnny has been one of the most consistent wrestlers I've ever watched. I've been watching NXT for a long time now. And I genuinely do not recall Johnny having a bad match or a bad program or a bad representation of himself. So all I can do is thank him, and I'm excited to see what he does in the future. I'm excited to see where he pops up. I'm excited to see what happens with Candice if her contract comes up at some point. Let me know what you thought of the show. I want to hear what you thought of this show. I want to hear what you thought of War Games. Let me know on Twitter at ZachNXT, Z-A-C-H-N-X-T. You know, if I ever get fired from this NXT gig, that Twitter handle's not going to make any sense. I better hold on to this, this gig. Anyway, that's the Twitter. Let me know what you thought over there. Otherwise, I'll see you here next week. That is it for NXT. So that is it for me. I have been Zachary Smith. You have been fantastic as always, and thank you for listening.